Hey, hey, this is Tracy Austin with Mental Fitness Matters. This show is designed to provide people with tips, strategies, and solutions to improve your mental fitness. This is Mental Fitness Matters. Hey, hey, everybody, you are listening to Mental Fitness Matters. I am your host, Tracy Austin, and this show is designed to provide you with education, tips, strategies, and solutions to improving your mental health and mental fitness. I am super pumped about today's show. I have the honor of bringing to the Mental Fitness Matters community a friend of over 20 years. Uh, We played college basketball together at Wake Forest University, and I have truly enjoyed learning from her and watching her thrive on and off the court, changing and touching the lives of so many people. LaChina Robinson is one of the most recognizable voices and faces of men and women's basketball. So before I briefly read her bio and tell you what she does professionally, let me just speak to who I know she is as a person. LaChina is a competitor. She's passionate. She's an advocate. She's a game changer. She's a student of the game. She's kind, thoughtful, and generous. She's an inspiration. She is love. She is light. She is bold, beautiful, and unique. She adds value to any room she's in. She has the ability to see what others can't. She's humble. She's driven, focused, and intentional. She's so many things to so many people, and that's why I'm even more honored that she's given us an hour of her time for the opportunity to dive inside of her journey, her mindset, her habits, and her heart. Now, let me officially introduce you to the star among stars. LaChina Robinson is an award-winning basketball analyst for ESPN, having served for 12 seasons of college basketball and entering her 15th season of the WNBA, covering across various networks. In 2018, Robinson received high honors as the recipient of the Don Staley Excellence in Broadcasting Award, followed by the prestigious Mel Greenberg Award in 2021, given annually to a member of the media or sports communications professional who has best displayed a commitment to women's basketball and to advancing the role of the media in the women's game. In the 30 years of this award's existence, LaChina is the only second black woman to win the award. The other was Robin Roberts in 2001. LaChina is also the founder of a nonprofit organization, uh, Rising Media Stars, which is a mentorship and training program for young women of color that want to start a career in sports broadcasting. She's given countless volunteer hours, including appointments to the Board of Trustees for the Women's Sports Foundation and the KYAO Cancer Fund. LaChina is also a business owner. She has a consulting firm, uh, Stretch Beyond. Through Stretch Beyond, LaChina serves as an NCAA certified facilitator and career transition coach for women and athletes. Robin's work in this space has made her a sought-after personal brand developer and keynote speaker for colleges and universities across the world. LaChina, welcome to the show. I am so honored to have you on with me today. Thank you for your time. Uh, Tracy, it is an honor for me to be with you, my friend, my teammate, um, thank you so much for that introduction. So kind. Uh, I've just been looking forward to this conversation ever since you asked me to be on the show. So I'm just really grateful. Ah, oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know your time is very valuable. You have a lot of things going on. So, so glad you could spend some time with us. China will be with us for an hour today. So we'll get a ch- chance to dive deep into some of her mindset, some of her journey um, and her path of success. Um, let's just start with you just sharing with us, China, some of your journey Um, I've known you since college. You've always been a competitor, a peak performer, someone who's appeared to have a lot of drive and focus. Um, But I know it doesn't just you don't just get here. Right. So talk about how and what that's been like from starting your journey until now. Like, give us a little insight. Yeah. um, So I 
grew up in a household where, um, you know, some of that competitiveness, do your best work ethic was kind of embedded in us. Um, I'm one of 16 children. Now, we all didn't live in the same house. My mom has five kids, including me, and my dad has 12, including me. So if you take me off um, of each side, I've got a lot of siblings. So, (laughs) uh, but my mother was always really big on hard work, especially in the classroom. You know, there weren't any prominent female athletes in my mom's side of the family. My sister did start to play basketball. She was a little older than me, but you know, when it came to sports, which would become ultimately a big part of my life, you know, my mother wasn't as familiar But when it came to those books, she was always like, listen, you know, she expected our best. And she graduated from high school at 16 years old and was the first college graduate in in our in my mom's side of the family. So that was kind of the foundation for me was really just the expectation. Uh, You know, I played violin growing up. You know, I tried a lot. of. My mother was into, you know, getting us into music. I did try some sports, including basketball, which I had to circle back around to. But I think that mindset (laughs) of just giving your all started with, you know, my mom. And then my dad also was someone who was just always striving to be an overachiever. Um, You know, he had several businesses throughout his life, but I I think I definitely get it that, that side of things from my parents. And um, you know, as far as the sports side, like I said, I did try basketball early on. Didn't like it. Wanted to be a cheerleader, you know, be like my friends and be cute. Um, But I was, much taller than everyone else. And it became obvious when I was like maybe 14, I was probably like six foot four, 14, 15, somewhere around there. And um, around the same time, fast forward to the 96 Olympic team, I saw Lisa Leslie and all these women, you know, on this platform playing basketball and they were brilliant and beautiful and charismatic and strong and tough and all this stuff. And I was like, I want to be like them. So in that moment, I kind of decided maybe subconsciously that I was going to get more serious about basketball and ended up earning a scholarship to Wake Forest. And that's where I met you. That is awesome. That is awesome. And thank you for sharing just um, some of your family dynamics as well. And just all of the components that are coming together, um, helping you be who you are as well. That's, that's incredible. So how would you, would you say, so basketball, when you fell in love with basketball, was that, when you got the scholarship to Wake or were you already kind of in that transition of saying, OK, this is my sport. Let me just kind of make this thing happen because you were really good, very competitive, very passionate. Um, tell me a little bit about that. So you wanted to do cheerleading, right? Then got into basketball. So how did that how did that happen? It happened in phases for me. Um, I think at the time where I found basketball or I guess I could say basketball found me. I was in a very difficult stage as a teenage girl. I was six foot four, taller than everyone else. Didn't want to be tall, awkward, big feet, just clumsy. So I didn't really have a good sense of who I was. I had a low self-confidence. Didn't really feel like there was anywhere I fit in the world, literally and figuratively. So when I stepped on the court, it was probably... I wouldn't say I loved the game immediately, but I loved the way it made me feel. The... Mm. um the teammate aspect of it, you know, you have friends, you're working together towards this common goal. And, you know, I was obviously physically active, which is great for young kids and just discovering um, in my mind, the reason why I was tall, right. I finally ran up on it. Like, okay, I actually can be pretty good at this just because of my natural makeup and who I am, my physical ability. So 
that's how I felt right away was just a space where I was more accepted. The commitment to the game came again when I saw the 96 team and was like, okay, maybe I could do something like what they're doing and end up being as fabulous as, you know, Lisa Leslie. But the love for the game, I would say, really just came through my competitive drive. Um, You know, I wasn't one of those kids who was outside shooting until the lights come on, you know, and your parents have to come get you like that wasn't necessarily my story. But every time I stepped between the lines, I wanted to win. And I had a competitive drive that was often borderline dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to win at everything so bad and to be the best. So I think my my love for the game of basketball definitely developed more through that side of my personality. Now, going back to my childhood, I loved watching basketball. Loved me some Patrick Ewing. Um, was big NBA fan coming up. Of course, the WNBA started the year before I graduated from uh, high school. So that was amazing just to have those female role models in front of me. So, um, you know, that side of it in terms of appreciating the history of the game would come. But I think my love was really rooted in what basketball gave me in terms of the intangibles and a place to um, use that competitive edge. I love it. And when did you know for you? So was it in college when you kind of got into broadcasting and media? Like when did that spark kind of kick in? What was your major? What were you into? What were you involved with in school? Yeah. So I was late. I was kind of late. So I would, I came into college and um, had this idea that I wanted to be a lawyer because I'd wanted to be a lawyer my whole life. You know, you're a kid. You say, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. And my family was from Boston. So we really were big on the lawyer thing because of Harvard being right down the street. So I came in, wanted to be a lawyer. Then when I realized how much reading and writing I was going to have to do, I was like, "Mm, maybe not. (laughs) And then I went from there to wanting to be a psychology major because, you know, I'd watched all these shows and seen these people talking to their patients, you know, who are just calmly laying on the couch and they're helping them talk through their problems and their issues. And I'm naturally someone who always wants to help people. So it's like, I'll do that. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be a psychologist and uh, almost failed the intro class. <laughs> so that was a no. Um, and so after that, I had discovered sociology really by chance of looking at some of the coursework. Like someone was like, what about sociology? So I looked at the classes and I was like, okay, death and dying, marriage and the family, sociology of sports, social inequality, like the, the coursework just sounded like things that I would be interested in, quite honestly. And I didn't know what I was going to do with that degree, mm-hmm. but I was okay doing something in college that truly piqued my academic interest, even though I didn't know where I was headed. I like that. Let me let me go there for a little bit. It sounds like just kind of listening to just going into college, playing basketball, figuring out what degree and what major there's a lot of self-awareness that you're describing at a somewhat young age. Did you realize how self-aware you were then, or has it taken some time to recognize you were really in tune with you? Honestly, Tracy, you're probably giving me more credit than I would want to give myself for being (laughs) self-aware. I think I was just not afraid to try things and then back out if it didn't work. (laughs) Right. So it was like, you know, in that sense, being in touch with how things make me feel. So yes, 
Um, you know, I would, I would try things out and then it was like, if it was like, oh yeah, that's not going to work. I was okay pivoting and pivoting would actually become a big part of, of my career as time went on. So, um, you know, I look back on my college years and you probably do too. I wish I was a little more self-aware, but I just knew enough to navigate the academic landscape. So, you know, I ended up getting a sociology degree and wasn't thinking about broadcasting. I ended up getting, um, getting a, an interview for an internship at the ACC office. Um, and landed that worked in championships there for a year after college thought I wanted to get into athletic administration because that's really what you're exposed to in a position like that in championships as you get to be the administrator over all of these sport championships you get to travel to NC State and do the volleyball championship you get to travel to Georgia Tech and do you know the tennis championship whatever whatever the case may be and I just fell in love with what was happening behind the scenes in sport because when I left when I got done with my college career I knew I wanted to stay close to sport I just didn't know how mm. and I didn't know the best way so that was um I would say the most intriguing and easiest path to, for me right away and so um yeah I ended up going to get that internship. And then I got a job at Georgia tech and my goal was to become an athletics director. And I worked at Georgia tech for seven years, loved my job, got to do a variety of things within the athletic department. And then when I was like 27 years old, somewhere around there, I had a quarter life crisis (laughs) (laughs) and went through a really hard time where I was um, depressed, just really physically sick just going through a lot. And it was a, it was a time in my life where I feel like my self-awareness, you mentioned, you mentioned that those words, that word, my self-awareness went to the next level because I was kind of shut away from the world during this time, Mm -hmm. getting to know myself, um, struggling through things. And that's where I started to see a vision for myself that was much bigger and grander than I could have ever imagined. And that is what led me to broadcasting. Wow. And I think it's so important, as you just described that as one of a darker moment in your life, leading you to something more, something more. So how in that, would you consider that one of your biggest mental fitness challenges of your life kind of taking you forward? Oh, 100%. It was no doubt a turning point. I feel like that's been a common theme in my life. Whenever I've had Uh, a mental challenge, um, a physical challenge of some sort, facing something that's beyond my control, it always ends up being one of the hardest and best things that ever happens to me because I'm not the kind of person that really does enough self-reflecting, checking in. Um, And I, I think in these moments, God sat me down. Yeah. And kind of forced me to work through some things and forced me to consider pivoting and changing directions and, um, you know, got me to start thinking about things like my life mission. Like I remember at 27 years old, um, cause I was going through a leadership Academy at the same time in, in Indy. And one of their questions was like, if you had to write your life's mission statement, what would it say? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just trying to go to work every okay. day, get a paycheck, you know, <laughs> It was like my life mission statement, uh, but it was a, it was a very important time for me, and I um, it's no doubt I came out of that mentally tougher and ready for 
what would ultimately be probably one of the biggest change life-changing moments um, of, of my life. That's huge. And speaking of that note, how would you define mental fitness? When we have people on the show, I love to kind of hear what people uh, consider mental fitness for them. And then we'll talk a little bit later on in the show about some ways you stay mentally fit. But if you had to think about what mental fitness means for you, what would you say? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, I've learned so much watching you and listening to you talk about it and in our conversations. And I don't know that I have it quite figured out, but what I do know is that um, when you're not mentally well, you, you know, and I think when we're not feeling our best mentally, that is a little tap on the shoulder that some changes have to be made. And there are two areas for me that I think I've really kind of figured out are very connected to my, my mental health and everyone's different, right? As far as what makes them go, what makes them feel at their best, when are they at their mental peak? And for me, it's been about two things, self-care and soul care Hmm. and knowing what things replenish me and myself, like being able to turn into me and be okay with setting boundaries and prioritizing myself and, you know, taking time away from others to replenish whatever self-care looks like, but it's also soul care, which is meditation, which is therapy, which is healing. And so um, for everyone, it it looks different. And I am currently on that journey again in in life, just at a different point. But um, it's mental fitness is when you are so in tuned with yourself that you know when you need to recalibrate. And you have a pulse on what those things are that can get you back to your best state of of mental health. That's huge. That's big. Thank you for sharing that. And both of those two, self-care and soul care. I like that Um, because you're right. Like being able to have some type of gauge, right, of when we're not at our peak. And some of the words that you're using and the language that you're using, talking about just listening and being in tune and having to take that time out and being on pause. Those moments seem to have allowed hearing and clarity. Um, And a lot of times, and I want our community to really take this in too. some of the darkest moments of our lives really are birthing something bigger on the other side. And so when we think about mental fitness, mental health, diving a little bit deeper into ourselves, no matter what stage we are in life, this journey, it's so important to figure out what that looks like and what that means for you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know for you, LaChina, you're busy. So when we think about all of the time that you have to spend kind of like in your current day to day, is it difficult to get self-care in or has that something that's been like you have to prioritize now to make a priority for you? Because you're traveling up and down the world often. <laughs> yeah, I hit a million miles on Delta the other wow. day. And they sent me an email and they're like, congratulations. <laughs> and I'm over here crying. I'm like, I've spent the last 10 years of my life on an airplane. Um, it's incredibly hard and I am getting kicked in the butt right now as we speak, uh, because I have went large amounts of time without tending to my physical and mental health the way I need to putting work first and having that grueling travel schedule that really is unforgiving, um, so it, it's it's really about being intentional. And that's one of my favorite words. It's, it's the word that has really guided me through life um, to this point is just being intentional about whatever you're doing, your brand, being intentional, who you're connecting with, being intentional, the type of work you're doing and building the 
right life structure to allow you to be mentally fit is something you have to be intentional about. And what I'm realizing, Tracy, is um, for me, it's so much more around making tough decisions so that I can structure my life in a way where I can be mentally fit, right? So whether that's deciding that there's certain days of the week that I'm just not available or turning down job opportunities so that I have more time at home or now I'm moving to another neighborhood because I need more trees around me. I need more parks. I need more, more nature. And, and there's too much noise. You know, all of a sudden you get old and you hear everything, <laughs> um, you know, so getting more quiet space and, and my home surrounding um, it can look a lot of ways to different people. That's what it looks like at this phase of my life. But I think the number one thing I've struggled with over time has just been, it's okay to just focus on you. Mm. It's okay to just focus on you and not career, any of those things, just yourself, your own mental health, your own routines, building habits, um, just understanding, especially the times we're living in. Like, I don't, I don't think we really truly understand what we've been through right. as a, as a world in the last two years. Right. I mean, we're not the same. Right. And nor should we be. Yeah. But there has just been tremendous, first of all, casualties. You know, you think about all the lives lost and the people that are dealing with that, whether it's children that don't have caretakers or, you know, doctors who have lost their lives trying to care for the sick, you know, because of COVID. I mean, we've, we, our world has been through a whole lot, the racial reckoning reckoning and us Mm -hmm. spending more time in isolation than we ever have. And, and so, um, you know, we're coming out of a, a time. I hope we're coming out of a time where we've had a chance to reflect. And I think people's priorities are changing. Yeah. And, um, I just believe that everyone should have mental fitness on the top of that priority list because mental health has been a really, really hard over the last couple of years. Absolutely. You are dropping so many nuggets right there because you're exactly right. We've been through a lot. And one of the words that come up loud as I hear you say that is just the trauma, trauma impact, you know, and we don't even have a clue yet what all is really going to be left behind as we go forward. Um, we're going to go into the part two of our show. and We're going to talk a lot more specifically about that word that's really big for you is intentionality. And I think as we go into the next year too, that is such a, a big deal and a big word and a big need. Um, you did a Facebook post that I saw a couple weeks back and you talked about you're intentional about spending time in places that get you back in touch with your journey and who you are at your core and where you aspire to be. And so we definitely want to have part two. You focus a little bit more on what that means to you, what that looks like for you and how LaChina Robinson keeps her peace when she's performing at her peak all the time. You know, what are those tips and strategies you could offer for us? And you've already dropped some nuggets. So we're going to go deeper into that for part two. Um, Before we go there, though, do you have any like aha moments that you've had over this last year, moments that you were like, huh, that hit different or that resonated with me in any part of your life? Oh, so many. Goodness, I could bust my journal out right now. Um, <laughs> that that term soul care came from my therapist. And um, that, wor- that word or that phrase has allowed me to get to a different dimension of, of, of health for myself. Uh, because there were some things that I needed that I didn't know how to define. 
and they may not have fit in self-care as far as I need a massage or I need a, you know, everyone defines it differently, but soul care to me allows me to focus on feeding my soul Mm. and the differences there, even with therapy and meditation of like nourishing that part of us. So that was a a game changing um, phrase for me. But I would say the other thing is definitely the importance of boundaries. Um, We have to reassess our lives continually. And that's something that I've had to do during COVID. We've all had tough revelations around people that we thought we knew how they felt about racism and then, you know, discover otherwise or, you know, family members that have, have, um, you know, just maybe changed dynamics or, or whatever during this time, but just continually reassessing who you are, what you believe and, and your boundaries, like who has access to you? Um, you know, I just find in this time, the last couple of years, it's been really easy for people and, and places and things to change my internal energy. And Absolutely. so I've had to protect that more. Yes. Um, and so. We're, and we're going to pick you up right back here. Stay tuned for part two with China Robinson. Thank you for joining us today on Mental Fitness Matters. Tune in every Thursday at 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. for more tips, tools, strategies, and solutions that will help you reach your peak mental fitness. My name is Tracy Austin, and you've been listening to Mental Fitness Matters. 